Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon, where we bring you success stories from business leaders and owners about their triumphs and growth in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas community. You'll hear about how Bentonville has been the backdrop for incredible growth, not only for businesses and their employees, but in their personal lives as well. Tune in, subscribe, and enjoy hearing about Bentonville, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the entrepreneurs, business executives, and community leaders sparking the rise of the greater Bentonville area, representing one of the fastest growing and most dynamic cities and economies in the United States. Nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas in the heartland of America. Hey, I'm your host, James Bell, and I am very excited to introduce the next two episodes of the Bentonville Beacon, where we're going to uh, host the entrepreneurs and founders from the current Fuel cohort. And here to help me with that introduction are two of Fuel's leaders, Darian Harris, who is director of the program, and Tom Douglas, who's the entrepreneur and residence. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for letting us be here. Thanks for having us. You bet. Well, will you share with the audience what Fuel is all about? Yeah, sure. Happy to do that. Fuel's uh, cohort's been around for six years now. Um, We've had a lot of fun bringing in really uh, aggressive startup companies that are quite uh, fit quite well into not only the area, but into the strategies of all the ex- enterprise companies we have in the area. And of course, with Tyson, Walmart, J.B. Hunt, ArcBest, et cetera, there's a lot of different needs that those companies have, and we really enjoy bringing in companies that can fit those needs. And that's great. Um, I've heard of a few of those companies. Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, the great thing, too, is we don't take equity or a fee for that. So these companies get to come to town and actually for free learn everything that we have to offer and get mentored by some of the largest companies in the world. Well, that's exciting. And that's a, that's a real differentiator. So uh, Darian, um, there are a ton of accelerators out there. Uh, in fact, we have close to a dozen here in Bentonville. Uh, will you share out how else Fuel is different from other accelerators? Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, I, I just want to say that um, I've done several different things throughout my career and, and have loved being a part of Fuel and, and working with Tom. And so I just want to throw that out there. But what really makes Fuel different, um, I think, is, as he mentioned, no equity, um, no cost to attend, which I think is is a big part of that, especially when you think about the scale of which the enterprises that we work with. But yeah. we really pride ourselves being on an, uh, uh, pride ourselves on being a an operational cohort, not an idea cohort. So we're not taking companies that are at the idea stage that looking for, to get from zero to one. We're really here to help companies get from one to 100. Um, we're, we're really focused on the B2B world. So we're helping those companies get those enterprise relationships. And a lot of times, uh, you know, early in, early in a company's um, roadmap or, or, you know, throughout their journey, um, they are spending time with some small businesses, the mid-sized businesses, and they haven't gotten that first big enterprise customer yet. And it's, it's in a completely different animal. It's a different language. It's different everything. And so, um, the opportunity to spend time with the fuel cohort, the other companies, and and Tom's leadership as well, gives us the oppo- gives them the opportunity to learn how to sell to an enterprise, and build the relationships with key stakeholders, um, because in the enterprise world, people buy from who they like and who they know, and so that that is what I think really is the differentiator um, beyond just the no cost and no equity. Cool. So what I'm hearing is you're creating operational value. And you're helping them get the form of cash that matters most, revenue. That's right. (laughs) I like that. Cash is king. You bet. Um, Tom, will you talk, you know, a a few cycles ago, Fuel pivoted to AI. So would you like to talk about that history and how in the world you put yourselves in a position to uh, hit it out of the park at a time when uh, the world has come to to know AI as, as a commonplace thing? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, we have a lot of great relationships with the enterprise sponsors. And and one of the things I like to talk with cohorts about and with the enterprises about is what does the white space in the strategy look like? Mm-hmm. And so back a few years ago, as we were having these conversations with the enterprises, we found that they were kind of concerned about what this AI ML thing was. And some of them didn't even know how to spell it, frankly. Um, but as, as they started to investigate, they found that that was a white space in their strategy. They knew it was going to have to happen, but they didn't know what it was going to be used for 
and how it's going to be used. Well, anytime you see an opportunity like that, you have to take advantage of it. So we pivoted um, from strictly supply chain to AIML, which can include supply chain and pretty much anything else that you want to talk about, as you well know, um, and, and felt that that was really important um, to the area as well as to the industries that we deal with. So it was, it was exciting. Um, it's great not to have to define it anymore when people ask, um, but it's still a huge uh, piece of what the future is going to look like. And so we're pretty excited to, to be a part of that and to be promoting it here in Northwest Arkansas. Oh, that's pretty exciting. And not to cloud the AI part, uh, AI and ML part any, but uh, you launched uh, another accelerator uh, as well. Will you talk about that real quick? Yeah. So uh, another thing that we found as we were talking not only to the enterprises, but to the community as a, at large was that health is becoming a huge part of Northwest Arkansas. I mean, there's there's just no denying it. Healthcare here in Northwest Arkansas is is really going to be pivotal. Um, from a, a, a uh, the ability to test new things, the ability to look at new ways of caring, new ways of, of uh, new equipment and new ways of looking at, at rehab, all sorts of things like that. And, and so we felt that with everything that's going on with health, medicine, uh, payers, uh, uh, hospitals and, and patients, that it was important for us to take a stand and, and do some healthcare things that would help the area. Um, and it was an amazing response. And, and I know you were there, but we had so many people show up to the Demo Day for Health um, that we were pleasantly surprised. And there's a whole lot of energy behind it now. Um, we already have companies that are thinking of coming here for the next cohort and they haven't even interviewed yet. They're just calling us and saying, hey, we're coming. Um, so that's great. And, and you know, healthcare is, is not only a, a Northwest Arkansas opportunity, it's a global opportunity. And that's what's great about this is it fits into our curriculum perfectly because we tend to invite everybody from around the globe um, and get those people in. And this is, this is just something that's really exciting. Perfectly stated. Uh, you know, Bentonville is a place where I feel like um, we have the opportunity to change the world. Um, you know, when Walmart and J.B. Hunt and Tyson came along 61 years ago in a place where it was probably pretty unexpected, they changed the world. And we're looking now in, in several different sectors where Bentonville's evolving, and this is one of them where I do believe this will be the, the ground zero for change in the world. One of the, the best quotes that I had as we were talking through this with uh, providers and, and payers was that we feel like Northwest Arkansas can be the gateway for healthcare um, technology into the U.S. Um, and of course, you know, being, being where we're located, and being in the Midwest, that's that's true. Every time something big comes along, you usually find it starts in the Midwest and spreads to the coast. That is true. Well yeah. said. And, there, and there's just so much momentum between AI and in healthcare. And so I think having the opportunity to be at the center of all those things that are going on is honestly a blast. Yeah. It's so much fun. And we've, we've got companies that have come in from literally all over the world and gotten to see, you know, I think, you know, we had a group from Portugal that mm -hmm. this was their first time in America was coming to Arkansas and they were like, I had never heard of it, but now they're, you know, th they saw what we see here. And so I think being a part of that momentum is, it's going to take us really far. And, and the energy these people bring when they come to town is amazing. I mean, it's, it's you get best. up in the morning and, and it, they know it's either the lion or the antelope. Either way, you get up in the morning, you better be running. Absolutely. And especially around here. <laughs> uh, so in a good way. Um, Darian, uh, last question. You get the honor of answering the hashtag because Bentonville question. That is, uh, tell me a story about something that happened where you look back at it and you think, you know what, that could only happen in Bentonville. Tom <laughs> uh, already knows where I'm going with this. So he's, he's already laughing, but this is kind of a, a fun story. So one of the things that we do with the cohort is, um, you know, it, a lot of business things happening, a lot of great things happening, but we also like to have fun. And so we go out and, you know, we, we get a lot of meals together and do a lot of things. And, and I, I enjoy getting to spend that time and be a part of those founders journeys. And, and so we like to have fun. And one of, uh, one of the, one of the people in the cohort loves to ride bikes and he rides on the road. It's completely road biking, never been off the road. And I thought, wow. you know, this is like the mountain bike capital of the world. You need to go mountain biking. And so I said, Hey, everyone come with me. And so I, I took a whole group out mountain biking. We went over to Kohler. And, uh, I was like, this is one of the best places. And I'm telling them all these things. I'm showing them around. And, uh, and we go up to Thunderdome, which is one of the, <laughs> right. one of the larger jumps. And, and so I, I take it first because I'm leading the group. 
I take it first and I, I end up going down, uh, making a jump, coming down, landing wrong, flying over the front of the handlebars. And there? Completely, I, hit, I was wearing my helmet. I wearing okay. my helmet. My wife will, will be glad I, I was. Um, but cut up my whole body really bad and, and end up um, not knowing what else I hurt. And I, I got up, I said, I think I'm relatively unscathed. I think that's not so bad. I said, it's all, it's all surface level. And then I got home and a couple hours goes by and the adrenaline wears off. And I was like, man, I, I can't, I can't breathe that well. Oh, And I'm like, this is, I don't think this is good. And so I ended up getting, getting x-rays and had fractured my ribs. And so, um, and then, you know, I'm, you know, after I fell, everyone in the, the cohort that's out there with us is like, man, what are you doing? Are you okay? What's happening? And I'm like, no, it's okay. I think I'm okay. Part of mountain biking. They're like, what were you thinking? And I said, well, it's actually my first time mountain biking. I had never been, I had never mountain biked, but I, they thought because I knew where I was going and all this, that I was the mountain bike guy. And so no one else took that, that trip down Thunderdome after that. And we headed home and several of them haven't been back out, but I tried to explain to them that it's part of mountain biking. It's part of it. And I, you know, you hear those stories all the time, but I think it's a fun story of getting out, trying something new. And I feel like this is my second cohort, every cohort, I, I get to try different things and learn new cultures and do different things that I haven't in the past. And I think that's one of the things that there's so much to do in Bentonville, especially outdoors. You know, I, I love to hike and do different things outdoors, but never been mountain biking. And honestly, like, even though that happened, now that I'm getting better, this was several weeks ago, I'll definitely go again. And I think the beauty of the trails and all the different opportunities that we have, I and mean, we can ride right from the ledger building where we work, right from the ledger building to probably hundreds of miles of, of mountain right. bike trails. And so I think that's, that's one of the beautiful things about the nature that we have around here. Gosh, Darian, you know, Darian <laughs> says, I've never been before. Let's go do drop the hammer. No, I <laughs> yeah. hope not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, congratulations. You got the broken bones out of the way. Now you can actually <laughs> enjoy the sport. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, guys, thank you all so much for uh, taking the time with me. Um, let's get on with it and talk with some of these entrepreneurs. Let's hear about fuel. Let me introduce you to Somya Monjol, who is the founder and CEO of Youthful Savings, which is based in New York. Yes, thank Welcome you so much. Show. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on. Pleasure. Uh, Somya, will you share with our audience whatever it is that you would like them to know about you? Personally? Yeah. Um, and professionally? Hers? Either one. Yeah, or well, both. you know, I guess, I guess as a human, I'm very yes. interested in economic change. Um, and so just anything that's like economic related or geopolitical related always thirsts me. Um, and so it's been really fun to start a company that I think can create change in, in both avenues, both on how humans are governed, but then also how humans transact, which I think is economics. Yeah, you bet. Well, uh, share with us then about youthful savings. What is it? Uh, who, who do you serve? And uh, what problem are you solving for them? And then how do you serve them? How are you solving the problem? Thank you. Um, so we've been working on this for about a decade, really thinking about why the wealth gap was so big and why America just gets ignored. Like, why do American issues are not as prevalent as maybe international issues and what's going on? So um, so I used to work at Walmart. And so I left Walmart to go be in D.C. And so that's where I really realized that there are a lot of issues that public servants weren't solving. Sure. And so I thought, what would it look like if a company did that work, right? And if we trained humans to be better and to transact better and to create better economic opportunities, we can create change. So I fell into education to create that change. Um, to really fell in love with kids and just think that there's a lot that you can do with young people and young brains if you bring them together. So what we came to create was a tech-powered learning ecosystem really dedicated to socioeconomic empowerment which we define as mental well-being, economic empowerment, and community development. And Gen Z, which is who we serve, is 41% of the world's population or 3.3 billion people. So think about all the different issues that you want to solve. If you brought them together and had them be the change agents, like the world could be a better place. And so really focusing on that and creating the right kind of tools is what we're about. That's that's cool. I mean, like you're, you're singing my, my song here. First of all, Anytime private enterprise can solve a problem, mm -hmm. it's probably going to be better than the government mm -hmm. uh, uh, doing it. Um, it you know, you've, you've got this huge uh, Gen Z population. Um, if you can make them help them be financially healthy, that means they can be healthy in a lot of other areas Absolutely. of their, their life. That spills over to social health, to 
health, health, right? Just to being healthy altogether. So I commend you for uh, going after these problems and solving them. Thank you. But I don't think it's me. Thank I think you. it's the young people sure. um, that are, well, we'll be the ones that solve these issues. Yeah, for our bet. job and our team's job is just to get, give them the systems and the tools that can provide right. that. You're making it possible. Um, so talk about your experiences then with Fuel. What did you expect out of the program and what's the experience actually been? Um, it's been awesome. So I actually like really wanted to be a part of this program. So um, asked Tom about it, but it was really just because I used to live in Bentonville and I used to live in Arkansas and post Arkansas, I lived in LA and, and um, I grew up in Chicago and New York now for the past 10 years. And I just really thought back to when did I meet the most sincere people. And I just think sincerity and humility is such an awesome combination. And then if you combine that with productivity, like that's what we needed in this next phase of youthful savings. And so being back here in this ecosystem that just, I think has a plethora of knowledge and resources, like really utilizing lack of a better word, (laughs) no pun intended, but that fuel, right. To then grow this into the next big company. Right. So I wanted to come back here and really figure out how we could lead and grow this correctly. And so that's, that's been the best experience, just learning from the people and just figuring out what kind of processes do we need? You know, when, when you're trying to grow a company and you're in that growth phase, it's really about sticking with your values and your culture, but then also having the right processes in place so that things get done. So yeah. it's such a big mission that we're trying to solve. And so the better we are as a team, the more that we can solve it. So it's been very humbling and grounding to be here. Awesome. Well, I love hearing that. Whether it's a community or a company, few, uh, the people are what fuels yep. everything. Absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, let's dive more then into Bentonville. What I'd love to know from you is since you were here before and you're here now, what's the change? Like you left, you went away, you came back yeah. and you looked around. What was your first thought? What did you think? about Bentonville and the way it had evolved. Well, you know, you made a comment when you came to Fuel and I kind of laughed, but it was, you know, Bentonville's turning into a New York. It has a cosmopolitan feel Mm -hmm. to it. And I have to, I kind of laughed at it, but I I actually, I actually do see it now. And I think when I left in 2012 is when Crystal Bridges just opened their doors. And I, I really think art is a very powerful tool for innovation and creativity. And I think the influx of art everywhere whether it's Oz art or, you know, everywhere. Like, I think that is really going to bring that, um, those creative minds to this, to this area and really provide an opportunity of growth. And I, I see that. And I think that's been the biggest change in just everything that like Rope Swing is doing with Blake mm-hmm. Street, some of these uh, preacher son we went there yesterday. Like, I just think that, oh, yeah. that there's this like really cool scene now that maybe didn't exist. Like I used to have to go to Fayetteville, like every weekend I was in Fayetteville and we were dry like that, you know, so I think it's really changed and I I think it's going to bring a lot of young talent here. Yeah, I I think you're right though. I mean, it, it has maybe not as many, uh, as, as great a quantity as, uh, uh, but it has all the amenities that you find in in big cities. Yeah, Uh, And I think what I referred to specifically when I was talking with y'all, uh, with respect to New York was, you know, I don't know where else you would find this combination of companies where you mm-hmm. have Fortune 1, then you have two other Fortune 500s, um, you know, within 10 miles of here uh, that grew up together at the same time. You have 1,600 brands to Walmart here. You still have this this vast small business ecosystem that's still 95 plus percent of the businesses here mm-hmm. uh, employ fewer than 100 employees. Uh, and then you have this robust startup ecosystem that that's happening in this space, but, but in several sectors, I don't know where else you would find a combination like that. And then you add on to it, the things that you can do here and then add to that the special treat of the outdoors. Uh, and I think we have an ecosystem that you just won't find other places. Yeah. Well, I think a layer of just community values, that is Mm -hmm. something that is really dear to my heart. Like, I just think being good in your community is really important. And I think the more healthy that I am, the more the better work we can do with youthful savings. And so it's so important to be like in a community environment for me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I have one last question for you. And that's your hashtag because Bentonville story. What I'd love to hear from you is something that happened where you look back at it and you think, you know what? Maybe that can only happen in Bentonville or it describes this place. Um, So somebody that is a personal hero of mine, just because I think we're so passionate about not hoarding resources. Mm-hmm. I think humans have a tendency to hoard a bunch of stuff. And that's like, what are you going to do with it when you pass away? Right? Like, why not just try to give more? And I think that um, I always looked up to Alice Walton. Being mm-hmm. in New York, I worked, um, I have a pretty 
extensive experience in the art world. And we always looked up to Alice and what she's doing in the art world and how she's changing it, not like a typical dealer or collector. Yeah. And so I recently ran into her at Blake Street and it was just awesome. And she's just, you know, walking out by herself and super nice. And I was looking at all the art inside the inside Blake Street. And I just thought it was really cool because here's somebody that's on the cover of Forbes magazine right now, but is also just chilling at Blake Street and being really nice to everybody. So that, I think that would only happen in Bentonville. You'd have to come to Bentonville to see that. Exactly. I love Alice Walton encounters. I, yeah. love, I love seeing her at the neighborhood market, scanning herself out or at yeah. Onyx standing in line for her cop. She doesn't have to do that. Right. But immediately <laughs> after so cool. that, I listened to her podcast to find out more about her. And I, I just really admire her ability to create ecosystem change. Like, I know she's creating change in the healthcare industry. And I just mm -hmm. think that because she flushes so much capital into things, she can create systemic change. And so that's something that I definitely look up to. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I mean, everything she's doing in art, you mentioned healthcare and I'll flip it over, call it wellness and healthcare mm -hmm. or wellness and sick care. Because mm -hmm. that's what we usually mean when we say right. healthcare. Right. Um, and uh, that's my industry background. And I am so excited for what she's doing. And and if anybody can affect change, she's going to do it. And we could spend two hours or more on a podcast. And I could probably do a whole monologue uh, on that. So I'll stop there. You'll that. have to get her on the podcast. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> I can work well, on that for you. <laughs> well, the hundredth episode is coming up soon. Alice. Nice. If you're out there listening, maybe, yeah, I'll give, I'll maybe make an you intro. can be the I guest. literally just met somebody that <laughs> manages her. So I'll get you an intro. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Somia, thank you so much thank for you coming so on much. the podcast. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. Hey, let me introduce you to two of the leaders of Retail Aware, which is based in Omaha and Chicago. Uh, I'll introduce you first to Keith Fix, who is the co-founder and CEO, and Brent Blakey, who is the VP of Operations. Gents, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for thank having you. us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Well, let's start with a really easy question. What should the Bentonville Beacon audience know about you two guys? Personally or professionally? <laughs> e either way, they love to know about the person that they're speaking with. But yeah, I, but I professionally do have a, and, and personally. That's yeah, great. I was going to say, so, you know, I'll, I'll kind of, uh, on the personal level, I think my, my, my biggest fun fact, I've actually never had a Big Mac. That's what? like, that. I've never had one. That's like, that's- Don't ever have one. I know, it's, it's all downhill from here. That's right. And then uh, professionally, um, I uh, gr have grown up in the retail space. I started my career working for an apparel uh, retailer, uh, uh, building out CRM back in the day when no one knew what CRM was. Or right. We had no idea what that was. Um, and then, uh, and have just gone on and have uh, gone on doing signage integration. And one thing led to another. I, it was unintentionally uh, you know, brought to the path that uh, led to retailware. So Excellent. Pretty, pretty fun times. Uh, I have a very different journey. Um, I grew up in the database marketing space, uh, doing right. database analytics, working with large retail brands and whatnot. Uh, I did that for about a decade. And then I took the opportunity to do something completely different. And that was sell all my stuff, buy a sailboat, fix it up and go sail the Caribbean for about five years. And uh, two years almost to the day. Now, uh, Keith approached me again and said, Hey, we need some help building out people, processes and product. Uh, how do you feel about joining RetailAware? And it's something I was always excited about. He's actually working with some of the same companies I worked for in my previous life. And so coming back, I knew I didn't want to, uh, join a large corporation. Uh, I didn't appreciate the red tape and bureaucracy. And so joining a small company where I could wear many different hats and, and really feel like I was driving some of the innovation and working with a great team uh, was was important to me. So been with uh, RetailAware now for two years and uh, it's been a heck of a journey. So cool. I want to come back and talk about RetailAware, but I remember that first conversation when we met and you mentioned getting a sailboat and going to sell. I, I need to know how you arrive at that conclusion and decide to take your family for that journey. <laughs> yeah. So, well, one, there's no family involved, okay, like no, no pets, sure. no, yeah, okay. you didn't not even a plant. No, it was, okay, it, was, <laughs> it was just me. Um, but really it felt like the right decision for me at the time. I, I cut my teeth for 10 years and uh, we'd been brought, bought out by private equity uh, mm -hmm. for my former organization. And so it was good timing for one, but I also lost a really good friend of mine to cancer. And so my, the, the volume of work had been turned down 
And so it was, uh, what do you really want to do? What do you love to do? And so I love to experience life and, and culture. And so I took a little bit of a sabbatical. I went to Africa and I spent some time in, in particular in Zimbabwe. So I came back and I lost a good friend of mine to cancer. So life's short. And then I see these people in Zimbabwe that are happier, arguably happier than I am uh, with, with money and, and means that I would maybe never use. So uh, what did I want to do? I wanted to travel full time. I wanted to experience culture. I just didn't have a good way to do it to make it sustainable. Uh, so I'm a kid from Nebraska. I checked, I bought Sailing for Dummies off uh, one of Walmart's competitor sites, had it sent to me and uh, read it cover to cover. I started checking out everything I could in the library that it referenced to learn to sail. And then I tried my hand at it and not everything went right at first, but uh, it was a great experience. That, that is so cool. Uh, there's, you should meet, if you haven't met Joel, uh, Joel Somweber from uh, Rev Unit uh, here, uh, you should meet him uh, and, and learn about his selling stories. Okay. Uh, Courtney Barrett, uh, who's uh, at Walmart. I, I know that she has a similar story. When I first got here, I, I don't think I met her in person for quite a while. She and her family were off, off selling uh, somewhere, but uh, that's, those are cool stories. I love it. Um, tell me about Retail Aware. Uh, who do you serve? What's the problem that you're solving for them? And how do you do that? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'll start kind of at the top. Um, Retail Aware really is focused on, we, we work with, uh, we, we started in our roots working with brands, uh, suppliers, I guess, in this world, uh, helping unlock first-party data from product displays in stores. So we were really trying to understand how do we, in real time, understand shopper behavior and product movement in a way, in, in a way that's accessible, uh, easy to e easy to implement and allows me to improve the returns of these investments that I'm making in these sto in store programs, um, as well as solve for some of the you know biggest problems facing retail out of stocks on shelf availability right those top of mind uh, challenges. So we really started with you know one brand um, you know we started with a, a brand placing. Um, you know, freezers and stores and trying to understand what's the impact of those. And we've just expanded and grown from there. Yeah. No, I, I think one of the key things we do at, at RetailAware, coming from a, a database company where we monitored analytics and looked into modeling and, and some of these things is it was so hard for these retail brands that we worked with to find that actionable insight. And so uh, you've pro everybody's probably heard about analysis paralysis, and that's something that really does happen. No change is made when you present information. Uh, what Retail Aware provides is something actionable that's immediate, that's near real time, that they can make a change today. We can implement very quickly and they can see the revenues and profits rise or, 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 um, or quit losing out on opportunity costs lost. Yeah, I mean, and there's a bigger, the, the, the overarching issue is just this gap that exists. And, you know, we, we lived in this world where you would deploy something into a store and then you'd wait for the results. Mm -hmm right? And you don't know if you made the right decision. You want to, you know, what can we do to improve the odds of that? And one of the biggest gaps we found was just the data at the shelf was very limited. And it was very limited for a brand perspective. And if you're a brand trying to partner with your retailers to design out programs that are successful, it's really critical you understand that moment of truth. I, I liken it, you know, similar to, you know, what makes e-commerce so great is that we see that entire shopper journey, right? And we get such detailed analysis and you can see abandoned carts and you can see conversion rate. And these things just historically have been impossible to get at retail. And so, you know, at the, in the physical store. And so that was really the problem we started, we started uh, chasing and we, you know, we worked with, uh, you know, our early, our early clients and we found you know, there's a whole cohort. This is pretty synonymous. And, you know, there's also retailers themselves that are looking to really kind of understand what is happening at my shelf. Cool. Well, I mean, there are a few brands around here, about <laughs> 1,600 of them. Uh, and of course, the, uh, the big giant in the room, the headquarters of, of Walmart is here as well. But, uh, and many of these connect into fuel. So will you talk about your experiences with fuel? Uh, what did you expect when you came to fuel? And then what did you get out of the program? What was your experience in the program? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, just, I'll just say uh, I, I love being part of this AI ML co cohort. Um, this is so 
the, the timing is just so right for the space. I think everyone is looking at how, what are the investments we have to make now, mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, as we progress with, you know, AI being implemented in enterprise years from now, right? What does that look like? And it's really cool being on the data generation side, side of the house, because we're, I, I think we're, I think we're one of the few companies that are focused on actually, you know, generating the, 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 the data and the training data that these tools and systems will need in the future. And so um, it was great to come down here and find a cohort of like-minded, really, uh, really cool people, <laughs> to, sure. say, to, to, to say the least, and just impressive, um, you know, practitioners in the space. Um, and also Ben Bill has just been so fun. And uh, it's, it's been a, a little bit of a surprise in a, you know, in terms of, um, the community aspect of it and being able to, the, the, the ability to be able to do business here and connect with folks, I think on a personal level, as well as just on an accessibility level has been great. So I think the, that tied with, um, you know, the, the entire fuel team has put on some really great, they made great connections, gone to bat for us and the programming's great and the people are great. I'm, I just, it's, it's been a good experience uh, for me. I don't know if you had to add anything. <laughs> I think. No, I, I 100% agree. Um, I think the first thing you recognize being in Bentonville is how nice people are, how great they are. Uh, very welcoming. I think you can stand in line at the wall, neighborhood Walmart and uh, you could know somebody's life story mm-hmm. just standing in line where, where I feel like, um, like in a New York or a San Francisco or Chicago, uh, you might go months without knowing if they Your have neighbor. any siblings. Or, yeah, it, it's, it's just a totally different, uh, it's yeah. a totally different place. Um, and then the peer-to-peer learning that occurs in that cohort room, the, the people that you're in there with, the, the things that they're doing in, inside of machine learning and inside of artificial intelligence, I, uh, I don't feel like I should be in that room. They're, they're just so smart. They're, they're off the charts. These businesses that they're creating and the way they talk about how they treat their employees and their and how valuable their clients uh, are to them, I, uh, I I give Tom, Darian, and Grace uh, all the kudos in the world for filling that room with really great people. There are some amazing people that come through the program and and they put up in front of you, and you absolutely deserve uh, to be in that room. They were you know in a similar spot at some point uh, uh, in their life, and uh, who better to learn from uh, than these folks, right? Uh, you mentioned Bentonville. Talk about your uh, experiences in Bentonville. Maybe some of the stuff you had the opportunity to do here. It can't all be work, so you had to have some play. What's your uh, Bentonville experience been like? Well, I, I think I've made it to the trail once. <laughs> okay, <laughs> once or twice, I want to say. Uh, unfortunately, I, no limbs have been lost, and oh, that's in good. My, uh, <laughs> in my in, in, in my experience, but um, yeah, going out, um, I'm I'm active. I love cycling, so I love cycling. Mountain biking is a new is a new area, you know, mm-hmm. a, a new area for me. So just being out here and hearing just the legends of the trails um, and seeing it has just you know firsthand has been uh, so much fun. Um, as well as just uh, you know, it's it's great. Uh, I usually, you know, having stayed by the main main street downtown area, being able to walk, you know, uh, are, at just uh, being able to walk and catch a a, a meal or um, you know, grab an ice cream or something is just always, always fun. I don't think I've had a bad meal yet either since I've been down here. Well, there <laughs> so, are some great places to eat. Like, seriously. And, and so some great ice cream. Yeah, it's so affordable yeah. too, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I think the nature around here is wonderful. I, yeah. uh, living on a boat, I like being outside and uh, the trees, just the drive down here this time with the fall colors has been incredible. Walking around the square um, and then of course the people are super welcoming and they'll take you anywhere going to Blake street. It's, it's like more about the community than, than I've seen in a lot of other places. And I, I really appreciate that. Plus whoever curates the art in this city is absolutely amazing. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. We have, I I forget how many pieces of public art there's, I I guess probably closing on a couple of hundred, but over 150, I think, uh, all's art. Uh, is behind a lot of that. Of course, obviously, if it, did you get a chance to go to Crystal Bridges yet? I have to ask that since you mentioned art. I know we, we're going to, it's on the, it's on the list <laughs> right? before we've yeah. been busy with the cohort. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's about uh, three quarters of a mile walk from where you are. You can go right down the trail. Um, uh, it's not a long trip over there. 
Uh, but you can come back anytime. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we planned. I was going to say yeah, Omaha, yeah. Chicago, and then Menville, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You do need three places. Exactly. Uh, the, the neat part about Crystal Bridges is you can go at any time and go for an hour and then go another day because it's free. Sure. Uh, you know, you have a world-class art museum that you can just access at, at your fingertips. Well, anytime they're open. Yeah, e- exactly. Okay. As we wrap this up, I have one question for you. And uh, you, you can both share a story or, or you can share one story, but um, surely over the course of the weeks that you've been here, you've uh, encountered what I'll call a hashtag because Bentonville story. That's a, a full-blown blown story or a moment where something happened where you look back and you go, I think that could only happen in Bentonville or it describes the essence of this place. Yeah. Well, I, I will say uh, be, before jumping into that, I know I missed some things earlier that I wanted to- Oh I yeah, just, go for I, it. I wanted to, wanted to inject when we're talking about you know, what makes retail wear different. Yeah. Um, and it plays into my Bentonville moment. Oh, good, good. <laughs> is, is, is the fact that, you know, what, what is unique about retail wear is that we've, you know, we've developed this proprietary uh, way to collect data off of product displays without using cameras. Mm-hmm. So we're not using cameras. Uh, we're, we're not even using an RFID we're looking at motion, light, distance uh, with, you know, some machine learning on the back end, right? To, to, to characterize that and provide insights back to clients. Uh, you share that story, you can go to 50 different cities and say, hey, we're developing cameraless technology that can help solve out of stocks and help you create better merchandise, you know, better product displays and improve your merchandising. And I think you can be like, oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, Benville moment is, you know, here had the opportunity to speak at the 1 million cups here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I don't think I've ever had an audience that almost a hundred percent understood. <laughs> Under, like hundred, sure. I was almost like, I have not seen more head nodding, um, you know, out of a community, right? Like this isn't, wasn't a, I wasn't, we weren't at a trade show for retail, right? We're at a community event and seeing people and, and that speaks so much to the power of the ecosystem here. And, um, and, and so that honestly was a moment where just saying and having folks come up to me and say, Hey, what, what if we could use this for, you know, for, for asset protection or what if, you know, I could see this used and I'm working on this data science project on this or whatever the case may be. Uh, I feel like that could only happen in Bentonville. Um, and that, that for me was my Bentonville moment. Excellent. Sure. Uh, I have one. I'm going to talk about the cohort again. Um, okay. Because th- there's some very, there's some really smart, powerful people working in the startup cohort, startup junkie cohort and fuel. And uh, w- one of the first case studies that was shared when I was in class was something I knew very well was I'm not going to say a name, but it's robotics that basically scanned aisles looking for a, a solution that we basically provide. So I knew the case study very well. And so I was able to hear some really good insight into what happened and, and why that, what was working and what may not have worked well that I could start to implement immediately and share that story. I was, I was very excited to take that back and kind of share some of those, the, my takeaways from that uh, one particular case study. And that wouldn't have happened anywhere else. I'm 100% positive. I think you combine these two things with the fact that you can bike up the side of the <laughs> building <laughs> that we're in. And I don't, it doesn't get any more Benville than that. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I realized I lied to you, or, you or earlier. I said we're three quarters of a mile from you. I don't think you would walk to Crystal Bridges from where we're sitting. No, I, we're For some reason, I was thinking about the ledger building and that we were sitting there <laughs> well, because we've met up so many times there. And I was just there before I came over here. Such a but great building. Three quarters of a mile from ledger. Yeah, such a building. And such three quarters of a mile to the top of ledger. <laughs> Don't know if that's a coincidence. All the way around, all the that, way around. That, that the two things, but uh, there you go. Well, great. Hey, it's been a, a real pleasure, uh, Keith and Brent, having you on the Bentonville Beacon. I can't wait to share this episode with folks. Pleasure's all mine. I appreciate it. Thank you for Likewise. having us. Thanks. Thank okay, let me introduce you to Kenan Udayarajan who is the founder and CEO of Simba, which is based in Atlanta. Kenan, welcome to the show. Thank you, James. Happy to be here. Well, glad to have you here. I'd love to, uh, if, it, if you could share with the audience about yourself, what should the Bentonville Beacon audience know about you? 
Uh, well, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm from Atlanta. I'm in the cybersecurity space. We are here as part of the Fuel Accelerator Program run by the Walton family as well as the Arkansas Economic Development Commission. Very excited to be here. Learned a lot over the last 11 weeks. This is the last week, so a bit sad that the program is coming to an end, but a lot excited for what, what the future holds for us here. Excellent. Well, I'm going to ask about uh, fuel here in just a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, let's talk about uh, Simba. Yeah. Um, who do you serve? What's the problem that you're solving for them? And how do you do it? So the first question, uh, whom do we serve? It's really anyone with an IT presence, an IT landscape. But more specifically for us, these are B2B organizations uh, which have a customer-facing IT landscape. You know, So those could be web applications, mobile applications, infrastructure, your cloud network, any of that. And the reason why we exist is because this infrastructure, this customer-facing landscape gets hacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are bad actors out there, malicious players. And what Simba does is enable these organizations to test their cybersecurity defenses in a, re- in a repeatable and a scalable manner. So that, that's what we do in a nutshell. Excellent. What some might refer to as pen testing, is that pen right? Pen testing. That's the ind- industry word for it. Excellent. I'm learning. Um, Well, talk about your experiences with fuel. What did you expect you were going to get out of fuel? And then uh, how did it turn out or how has it gone for you? Yeah. So uh, this is my very first trip to Arkansas. You know, like I've never been here before. And I didn't have uh, any uh, knowledge beforehand about the fuel accelerator until, until we got the emails and until we engaged with the team. But once we started the conversations, we the first thing that um, stood out and caught our attention was that this is an accelerator program that is focused on revenue acceleration, mm-hmm. which is unlike anything that we have seen uh, anywhere in the country. You know? So helping an entrepreneur uh, or, a, or a startup company get their first few customers, helping them stand up on their own, that's a big thing. And the kind of confidence that gives is 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 just amazing. So uh, so that that that's what kind of caught our attention and led us here. And once we came here, what struck me and you know, like outside the program, outside everything else, was the authenticity of the people, the genuine willingness to help you. And um, and the last eleven weeks here, it has been um, you know again and again. You know, I've I've just seen that play out again and again and been feel really privileged to have spent my time the last 11 weeks here. So um, in terms of curriculum, the program addresses a lot about enterprise readiness, which is important for startups to learn about and, and, and know about so that they can prepare themselves. A lot of the times you're hustling and putting something together uh, and that may not scale well with a large organization, with a large customer, right? So you need to make sure that you have the fundamentals in place and those fundamentals are strong and can scale to serve those larger customers. So getting a view into how these large customers think like, what they do and why they do what they do, uh, getting that information directly from people who have been part of these large organizations running huge programs, procuring you know, whatever services, products that they have been procuring, getting that insights, those insights has been like tremendously helpful. You know, oftentimes we think only from our angle, hey, this is my product, this is the problem it solves, but what problem does it solve for the customer? And how can it solve the same problem for 10 more customers? And how can you do this in a cost-effective manner, in a, in a scalable manner, so that your customer gets a 5 out of 5 on their performance rating? Mm, that's that's wonderful. I love that you talked about um, getting insights from directly from the people, the customer. Mm-hmm. in and of themselves. Uh, many times in accelerator programs, you get some of that, but you get some of that light uh, because in fact, in most places, it's difficult to get those folks in front of the uh, participants, the cohort in the accelerator programs. In fact, uh, what I've discovered and having run accelerators myself, oftentimes what you end up with is prior ex- prior cohort members yeah. or other entrepreneurs in front of you. And so it's third-party information, right? Yeah. But anytime you can hear from somebody in a large organization, well, here's what we're thinking on our side. Yes. And here's what's happening on our side. And here's the problem we're having. 
you're a step ahead. And I love also, of course, that yeah. you I, I mentioned revenue just, just acceleration. To add, just to add to what you just mentioned, James, I think it's the ecosystem, mm-hmm. right? And that's what makes Fuel very unique. Uh, the, the curriculum is one part of it, but the ecosystem around it, you know, be it the, the, the people who are delivering the, the courses or the mentors that have been put around the program or the general networking events that have been established so that startups who come here get the opportunity to go out, mingle with these people and build their own authentic, genuine, like one-on-one relationships. That, that is just amazing. You know, that I haven't seen that kind of uh, effort in, uh, in any other program that we have been uh, part of. Wonderful. That's perfect. Well, and that ecosystem sits inside, of course, a town of Bentonville in a region in northwest Arkansas that I like to say is unlike uh, any other. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on your experiences here, even generally uh, around town. You talked about the authenticity of the people. Um, how about talk about your experiences then, some with Bentonville specifically and with the opportunities you've had to uh, enjoy this place? Yeah, the the... The first thing, the the day I landed here, the first thing that I learned is that this is unique weather phenomenon called thunder snow. <laughs> uh, I had never heard about it before. So that was something new that I learned. Uh, I wish uh, someday I'm able to witness it. But I also had this other uh, really uh, unique experience the very same day. So I came here and the Day one itself, I had huge craving for Indian food. I'm originally from India. I had ah. huge craving for Indian food. And I Googled and I found a restaurant called Veera's Indian Cuisine. Oh, yeah. And um, so I took the Uber, went there, just didn't even look at the menu, ordered what I wanted. And um, the, uh, the the waiter over there who was serving my food came and asked me, like, where are you from? I said, I'm from Atlanta. And uh, then he said, like, do you know so-and-so from Atlanta? And I said, yeah, he used to be in Atlanta, like, five, 10 years back. Uh, I know that he moved somewhere, but I'm not in touch with him. Uh, And he was a chef in a restaurant there. And like five minutes later, the guy I knew from Atlanta walks out with more food in his, uh, his, uh, on a tray. And it was the same guy that I knew from Atlanta. And he was the head chef at the restaurant here. And they serve the most amazing Indian food. I've been taking every single person from the cohort and whoever I meet and try to set up meetings there. Uh, so it's been it's been um, a, a great experience, you know, like not just enjoying the food myself, but also being able to share that food with um, with, with people I've met here, making new friends over food. Um, so that has been a very uh, unique experience. And I never expected that I'd be eating the most amazing Indian food in the U.S. in Bentonville. But that's what and I keep telling people and everyone who joined me keeps saying the same thing. So. <laughs> That's incredible. What a, what a cool story. Um, gosh, I, I'm going to ask you another story but for another story, but I almost feel like that answers the story. So if you don't have another one, you just tell me that's going to be your hashtag because Bentonville story. But the question I have for you um, is to tell me a hashtag because Bentonville story. That's something where you look at it and you go, you know what? That could only happen in Bentonville, or maybe it describes the essence of this place. So I'd love to hear another one if you have one. Well, it is it is about meeting people. You run into people, and when when we came here first, uh, Tom Darian had mentioned that like everyone here is a is an uh, is a leader or an influencer, and you know like people whom you sit next to the restaurant, they might know people whom you can help you or mentor you, advise you. I thought like maybe that is a bit exaggerated at the beginning uh-huh. when I heard that, but I could not have been more wrong, you know. So I think that serendipity piece, uh, especially for an entrepreneur, uh, is is huge here, you know. And 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 I think that's probably very unique to Bentonville because of you know of, of being what it is, you know, Walmart, JB Hunt, Tyson, and all the suppliers. And all the leaders and, and entrepreneurs have come here as part of that, build this community. There is a lot of focus on how we can help fellow innovators, how we can help fellow entrepreneurs. And it is not just about uh, bringing in that economic piece to it, but also about, hey, how can we do things better? And how can this city play a leading role in, 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 in taking that entrepreneurship and innovation forward? I think that that is the 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 uh, key message. But if you ask me 
for a hashtag you know it'll be a long hashtag of like serendipity innovation entrepreneurship bentonville you know all of that coming together in in, in one one uh, one one place <laughs> i love that i love that you said how can we make things better i think that i think you're right that is that is the question that we're asking here and that we're trying to deliver on. And as an economic developer, I know that if you solve that question, mm-hmm. everything else takes absolutely. care of itself. People just come. And that's what's been happening here yeah. as a result. Yep, absolutely. I, I know. So before I joined the Fuel Accelerator, I had tried to identify companies that have been part of the program before. Mm-hmm. And I was able to establish contact with somebody who knew one of the companies and I couldn't talk with the founder because they had already moved to Bentonville from Atlanta. You know, <laughs> they shifted their headquarters and they're like fully based here and doing extremely well. You know, so yeah, is that Ox? That's Ox. And Chari? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chari's awesome. <laughs> well, this has been great. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thanks for coming on the the show, and I really uh, appreciate the opportunity to hear your story. Thank you so much, James. You know, really love what Fuel has done here for all of us. I can speak for my cohort. Every single one of us is loving it here. We all feel privileged to be ha- have been a part of this community, and all of us have plans to you know be here in in some form or fashion in, in the in, in going forward. Well, as an economic developer, I love hearing <laughs> that too. <laughs> well, thanks. We look forward to uh, helping to continue to serve you and help you build and grow your business. Yep. Thank you so much, James. Thank you. How about that first episode of this two part series about the fuel accelerator. Uh, I really enjoyed those conversations with uh, founders and entrepreneurs of these companies. Hope you did too. Come back for the uh, second episode in this series. And as always, share with your colleagues and friends around the world. If you found this episode through BentonvilleBeacon.com, you may have noticed that we soft launched a new website recently. And I would love to love it if you could uh, shoot me a note at J first letter J, Bell, B-E-L-L, at greaterbentonville.com and, and share your feedback on the website. What's working, what's broken, what's not. I would love to hear that. And also, if you're checking it out through your favorite podcast player, of course, hit subscribe. Uh, keep coming back to learn more about the greater Bentonville area and the entrepreneurs and business executives and community leaders that are sparking the rise of this place in Northwest Arkansas, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. See you next time.